Physics World. Hello and welcome to the Physics World podcast. Jodrell Bank is a radio astronomy observatory in Cheshire, just to the south of Manchester. I grew up in that part of the world and Jodrell Bank's iconic Lovell telescope is indelibly inked onto my psyche. The sheer size of this enormous radio telescope, surrounded by the lush green countryside, gathering radio waves from far out in space. It's impossible to ignore and actually maybe even harder not to be inspired by. In recent years, Jodrell Bank has been home to the Blue Dot Festival, a festival of music, art and science. And Blue Dot is also home to Cosmos, an art-science collaboration between Jodrell Bank and Abandoned Normal Devices. My name is Gabrielle Jenks and I'm Director of Abandoned Normal Devices. Cosmos is an annual commissioning programme with Jodrell Bank and we invite artists to engage with the research that's happening here and to use the data from that, so that's some of the live data that the telescope is capturing and translating that in a way which is engaging for audiences. And so what you will have seen at, and what audiences could see at Blue Dot was a project audiovisual work by the artist Dato Minabe. What he's done is he's translated some of the data from the telescope, some historical data, some live data, and allowed audiences to understand the frequency of the pulsars and brightness, um, and, and they're able to interact with it every night during the festival. More of that soon, but first, at the festival, I took the opportunity to meet up with some of the radio astronomers on site. And it turns out, I'm not alone in my love for this place. So, uh, my name's Ben, um, I work here at John Bank Observatory, and I'm a researcher in the Pulsar Group. But I first saw that telescope when I was driving past uh, uh, my dad's a lorry driver, um, and I went out in his lorry with him for a week, and we drove past the M6, and he just pointed the Lovell telescope out to me. And from then on, I was kind of determined to work here. Yeah, I'm René Botton, and I'm a, a reader at uh, the University of Manchester uh, in astrophysics. <laughs> I can read astrophysics, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> so Jodrell Bank uh, is uh, an observatory. It's a radio observatory. We have four radio telescopes here on the site, the most famous of those being uh, the iconic Lovell telescope, which is uh, kind of overseeing or overshadowing this entire festival. Yeah, so the, the telescope is uh, it's really stunning when you see it because um, it is 76 metres in diameter, the, the dish. And uh, the telescope itself um, weighs about 3,200 tonnes. So it's a massive structure of, uh, of metal. And uh, it just steers around very smoothly. You can hear it moving, but it's, it's very quiet and, uh, and almost like a, a, a ballet. <laughs> uh, so very elegant. And um, we, we therefore collect light um, and we're very sensitive to, because of the huge collecting area, to light that is very faint. Um, so, for instance, we would be able to pick up a, a mobile phone conversation uh, of someone located on Mars. Yeah, so either there's no one uh, talking on the phone there or they don't have mobile phones. <laughs> <laughs> Much of the telescope time for Jodrell Bank is used up studying pulsars which were famously discovered by Dame Jocelyn Bell Burnell 50 years ago. This is the sound of the brightest pulsar in the northern sky, recorded using the Lovell Telescope at Jodrell Bank. And this is Ben Shaw. 
So pulsars are what happens when a massive star, stars that are upwards of eight solar masses, um, undergoes a collapse. The reason star stays up, a star stays up is because there are nuclear reactions happening in its core that are creating an outward pressure, um, and gravity is trying to collapse the star inwards that's creating an inward pressure, and when those two things are in balance, you have a nice stable star. When the fuel runs out of a massive star, um, what sometimes happens is, uh, well, what always happens is the star will collapse inwards, uh, it will rebound off the core and explode um, in what we call a supernova, um, what sometimes is left behind is this little thing called a neutron star. It's about the size of a city, um, but it weighs about as much as the sun. They spin very, very rapidly. And the magnetic fields are configured such that you have a beam of radio waves that spins around as the star rotates. And they rotate very accurately, very regularly. And as such, when we see one of these beams cross our radio telescopes, we see a little pulse, and we call them pulsars. These tiny compact objects about the size of a city, 10, 10 kilometers in radius, and they spin very fast. And the light they emit is uh, very collimated, so you can think of a lighthouse in space that you know, blinks every time that the star makes one rotation. So when we get the data with the radio telescope, um, you can think of it as a, you know, just like listening to the uh, FM radio, but in space. Why would you study pulsars? Um, so pulsars are some of the most extreme objects in the universe. Um, people think of black holes as probably the most extreme ones, uh, but in a sense, uh, black holes, you, you can't get much information out of them because they don't emit any light. And so next to black holes, I would say that pulsars um, are the most extreme um, by their density. Um, so just a teaspoon of a pulsar weighs just as much of a, as an entire mountain, uh, but also because they are the fastest objects um, to spin in space, to naturally spin, so um, faster than a kitchen blender or even a Formula One uh, engine. Um, and they have the largest magnetic field known, uh, known in the universe as well. So you, you, you can think of a pulsar as having a low magnetic field, a bit like uh, the Earth, except that uh, it is um, 1,000 billion times stronger. So if you can study pulsar, basically you have access to a, a new range of laboratory tools to really investigate fundamental physics. Pulsars uh, in recent years have been used to really probe the structure of space-time itself because pulsars are basically clocks and if you want to test theories of gravity, you know, theory of general rel relativity is a theory of space-time um, and if you want to understand space-time it's really useful to have clocks in space. Um, and so what we do is we basically time uh, this two or three sources like this, but one of which is a binary pulsar, uh, where you've got one pulsar in orbit around another object. Um, this is another neutron star. It may well be a pulsar, but if it is, uh, its beams aren't crossing our telescopes. Um, what general one of the predictions of general relativity is that its orbit should be decaying. It sh it's, it's, they should be getting closer and closer together in time. Their orbits should be speeding up. Um, and the energy that's dissipated goes out into gravitational waves. So these are ripples of space-time coming away from this system. Um, and if you make a plot of what general relativity predicts about this system, and then you make some observations, you'll see that those observations lie exactly on that line. In fact, the error bars are smaller than the line. It's any line you can draw. It's incredibly precise. Um, and what it tells us is that gravitational waves are real, uh, which has since been confirmed by LIGO. Um, but what it can also tell us is um, that this system will merge in about uh, 3,300 million years. 
and create a big burst of gravitational waves as it does so. Um, I have a one, one observation on a pulsar I'm particularly interested in called P PSR B1706-16, which is a pulsar that is known to switch off occasionally, um, but the times at which it switches off aren't always the same. So it's on for a little bit, it goes off, it comes on for a little bit, it goes off, but those intervals change. And so I'm quite interested in understanding what's going on in the magnetic field of that star that causes it to just suddenly stop emitting in the radio. Yeah, me too. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, we don't know. Uh, what we think might be happening is that there's some... Uh, the reason that stars actually these stars actually radiate in the first place is that their, their magnetospheres are filled with some kind of current, um, and if that current suddenly happens to switch off, we may see just a complete cessation of the radio waves altogether. So we think something like that's happening, but we're not entirely sure. The first ever planetary system found outside the solar system was a pulsar, uh, that has three planets orbiting it. Really? Yeah, and two of them are about uh, four times the mass of the of the Earth, roughly. So they're like super Earth, and one of them is much much smaller, um, um, like a few percent the mass of the Earth. And so they were they were found in 1992, right? Okay. A couple uh, three years before the first exoplanet really? around the normal star okay, was found. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, imagine I'm standing on we are on a cafe on the surface of one of those planets near a pulsar. What are we seeing in our night sky? Or in our day sky, I imagine it. Yeah, so our, our perception of things will be very strange uh, because pulsars are very dense objects and so you can get very close to them without touching the surface. And so that's how you can get these effects of uh, gravity that are, that are so extreme. Um, and so you, can get, you could get very close to a pulsar until you, you hit the surface. Um, so one of the things that happens is uh, you, um, you can uh, perceive effects of uh, relativity, Einstein's theory of relativity, on a macroscopic scale. Um, so your, the time on your clock would, would uh, tick slower uh, compared to, say, one of your friends located far, far away from the pulsar. Um, the bending of light also you could notice. So if you were observing the sky, obviously the pulsar is very uh, faint itself, so it would look like probably a, a hot sphere in the sky, but not much more. And um, if there was no atmosphere, then you would have a dark sky. You would see stars. And around the pulsar, you could see arcs of light uh, from the light of the background stars being distorted uh, and creating uh, gravitational lenses. So these merge, basically, created by the bending of light. Um, and um, if you were to try... To try to, I don't know, send a signal across to somebody on the other side of the, pul the pulsar, uh, your signal would uh, would have to travel in a curved space-time. Um, so these effects, we, we okay, we can imagine what it would be if we were there, but we can also see them from the distance uh, because uh, pulsars that have companions, uh, we can actually see the effect of the light bending taking place and the distortion of space-time. The artist for this year's Cosmos project was Daito Manabe. Daito is an artist, programmer, DJ, VJ and composer from Tokyo. Hi, I'm Kate Knight, the interpreter for Daito Manabe. When I first started this project, the main problem was that I didn't know a lot about the universe and I didn't know very much about astro astronomical data. あの、でも僕はその数学とプログラミングはできる。But I can do mathematics and I can do programming. 
であと僕のスキルはその音楽と映像を作れるでこれはど,あのどのプロジェクトでもそうなんだけど project, だけどでも<笑>いやだけど<笑>いやいやいやをやりたいと思って I choose projects on purpose that I can learn from, that I, that I start with less knowledge about so I can become more,、uh, more of an expert in that field. I'm the sort of person who,、um, who, if I see a project that I'm not interested in, I don't do it. But I work a lot with data and data analysis. So I can judge for myself if I find the data interesting whether I'm going to work with it. So, what was it about this project that made you go, right, okay, I'm going to do this? I think the data is frequency and frequency. So, because the data involves、um, dealing with frequencies, it seemed to have a, a strong connection with music. I think it's all the things that I have to do. あの聞こえる周波数だったのが面白かった。It was interesting to work with frequencies that you can actually hear using the pulsars。1秒間に数百回、300ヘルツとか、例えば1秒間に440ヘルツっていうのはララの音なんですよね。ラの？ララ。A、oh, oh, so if a say a pulsar spins 440 times a second, then,、um, then it's a, an A. That's the frequency.、Oh, okay. So it pertains exactly to music. The projection is, but the data is the projection of the data. So it was great to be able to take the data and turn it into something beautiful that you can see. もちろんあの同じデータを使ってエクセルで見せることもできてだけどエクセルのグラフで見ても別にみんなはワオってならない。You could take the same data and turn it into an Excel graph, but that's much less beautiful visually. <笑> I've lived with that on my skyline for most of my life. I, I, yeah, I know. And, and I just love it. And it's so dear to me that, that structure is so dear to me. How does it feel to you? To have your work projected onto that iconic dish. Yeah, 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 And as night fell and Orbital finished their set on the main stage, I headed towards the control panel for the Cosmos projections, where, in the queue, I watched the projections and began to wonder how much science was being communicated. Ruth McCulloch is senior producer from Abandoned Normal Devices, and I spoke to her in the queue. So we've got an interaction unit here, which has a sound and screen and a, a touchpad where you can. Basically, interact with the telescope directly, and there's three different modes.、Um, one is using live data, and it sort of looks at where the data is pointing into the universe, and it's a live radio feed from that. And then there is another setting <coughs> which is looking at Planck data and then pulsar data. 
So it's, a, it's sort of mixing together live uh, data of where the telescope's positioned, but then also looking at sort of richer data sets that have been built up over a number of years of particular pulsars in the sky, so looking at the radio frequencies in relation to that. So when you turn that, it impacts the visuals and it also impacts the sound. So it's using imagery that the astrophysicists of the you make using the radio wave data so it's enabling us to look at that and make a connection between what the telescope is doing and what that means and I think it's the why <laughs> is sort of like the artist's intention is to try and engage audiences in that in a, a much much deeper way and give them some control over that. Okay, yeah. have you heard again? Yeah, it's great. Okay. <laughs> Does it give you a deeper understanding of um, well, I've, I've been working with the artists and the scientists, and as somebody who's not a scientist, I'm a producer, so I help organise things. Um, yeah, I've definitely started to understand more about its pulsars and what the, the telescope does, really, and like, and what it's been doing over the past 60 years and what it's discovered and its impact on, yeah, science and the world around us. So, yeah. Hello. All right, thanks. Right. Looks like you're going to be on the podcast, though. Oh, no. I thought I'd avoided that. <laughs> no, not at all. So talk me through it. What's going on? Um, this uh, the station allows you to interact with the work. So we've got the projection at the moment on the dish. And we have um, different representations of that data. So some of that's pre-record, some of that's live data. So here you've got representation of pulsar data that's been collected over a long period of time. Um, and the um, station allows you to interact with the visuals. So if you press the button, then you change what you're actually seeing projected onto the dish. This data is live streaming. So this is data that's being collected from the skies as we speak and converted back into a visual representation. So if we just change here, you can actually um, see visual representation of pulsars here and flick between those different, that different activity in the sky. Amazing. And the best way to get to know it is to have a play, have some fun. I'm going to, thank you. The display on the control panel is a large screen beautifully realising the night sky with the locations of the pulsars where the data is coming from. The projections themselves are jaw-dropping. I can't really describe them in a way that does them justice, but if you can imagine an enormous 70 metre across Jackson Pollock painting animated and swirling around in front of you, then you can begin to imagine what it felt like to be in control of those projections onto this huge, iconic telescope. We'll post a photo of it on physicsworld.com. But I'm already fascinated by radio astronomy. What about the other festival goers? I spoke to a few people who were taking in the projections. Well, I was watching it last night in the pouring rain and I didn't realise you could actually come and control it. And A, it's just a beautiful structure. B, the lighting of it is fabulous. C, I'm getting to play with, according to your guy over there, £800,000 worth of projectors. Not something you get to do every day, is it? Really? We came last year, and uh, Brian Eno did it last year. Stunning, last year, stunning. But last last year, stunning. You're not convinced this year? No. Or? No. 
now. Why not? It was more colour last year. The impact wasn't as... Last year it was like, whoa! The impact's not like, like that this year. Do, do you... Does it? Do you think about the science of, of the of the dish when you're looking at these projections? No, not really. Do, no. do you when you're at the festival? Oh yeah, when you're at the festival, yeah, definitely. Where it's, these projections it, are? No, you're in the festival and it's just there, isn't it? All the time, it's it's like there in your peripheral vision, it's looming. Whatever you're doing there all the time fab love it love it because I love this place anyway we come quite a lot to Jodrell Bank and have a pot around and listen to the talks and we don't live that far away do, do you think you'll have a go? no why not? I, 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 I'm, I'm just enjoying this as it is to be fair I just love I mean I love the structure of it anyway I just the I don't know how to describe it, just the, I suppose it's all the engineering of the underneath, and I just think it just shows off the structure amazingly well. You know, all the, you saw the lines and the different photos and the different colours just bring out just different bits of it, don't they? Um, now, I've only just got down here, so I've not really got my head around the fact that it's all meant to be sound waves from space and stuff, isn't it? So, a bit different to last year's, but I don't know. It's just a beautiful structure, and the lights just show it off. With the projections, I think it's amazing. We've just listened to Orbital, and I feel like this is an extension of that set. So it's really exciting. It's just, when else do you get to go to a music festival and there's that in the background? You don't, really, apart no. from this one. <laughs> like, literally, there is none. There are none. Uh, we're here for our second night, and it's very pretty. Um, but beyond that, I haven't given it any particular consideration. It's just a nice chill-out area to sit and have a cocktail. It reveals the um, mechanics of it better. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I've not, it's, it's not really sort of speaking to me on any deeper level than just kind of like, you know, it's quite nice having the sort of the sound kind of obviously causing the... I'm not, actually, I'm not sure whether it's the sound causing the changes in the projections or the projections causing the changes in the sound um, but it's sort of quite nice that marrying but it does seem to be in a little bit on repeat which gets a bit repetitive after a while the organic nature is very nice yeah. okay did you know that you can control it yourself we saw people saw last night yesterday. controlling it yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. and we played with the physics toys just over there as well well uh, earlier on we were over there watching orbital and you had the sun setting on that side you had the moon rising on that side you had the this huge wonderful structure that looks at all that stuff up there yeah there's an awful lot out there that we know absolutely nothing about it's just an amazing thing it's, it's like built out of Meccano and it's done such wonderful things Obviously, not everybody has the same reaction to art. It's highly subjective. And I wondered if that concerned Daito at all. If I really wanted everyone, 100% of the people watching it, to understand, then the best way to do that would probably be a Wikipedia page. だけど、僕は僕はやっぱそのパルサーに興味を持ってもらったりとか、パルサーって何だろうっていう風にそのみんなが考えることとか、考えてもらうことがそのアートの役割だと思ってる。
my goal is to have people think, to make people think, think and wonder what is a pulsar or or aren't pulsars wonderful. Yeah. 興味を持つ人もいるし、興味を持った人はそれをきっかけにウィキペディアを見たり、あのいろいろ調べればいいと思うけど、もしかしたらそれで興味を持たない人もいるかもしれないけど、でもまあ僕がやってるアートはそういう
でやっぱりそのサイエンティストとコラボレーションするっていうのは実はすごい難しいこと。So、um, most artists just work with art. I work in the kind of halfway point between art and science or art and mathematics. That's a difficult place to be because you have to collaborate a lot with scientists. でやっぱそれうまくいく秘訣っていうのは一番はやっぱりもちろんサイエンティストがちゃんと協力してくれることで今回はそのティムをはじめみんながすごい協力してくれた in order to make to realize the project well you need a lot of、uh, scientists to help out and, and on this occasion they, they really did だティムと僕はずっと同じ部屋であの横にティムがいてずっと教えてくれてたこのデータはこういう意味があってこうしたら Me and the scientists were in the same room the whole time for a long period of time, and I keep asking questions, and they keep teaching me and helping me. They taught me stuff in three days that I maybe would have taken ten years to learn on my own. で僕はこのすごい貴重な経験をみんなとシェアシェアしたいと思う。でやっぱシェアするためにああいうところで喋ったりとか、まあ作品を作ってっていうことをやってる。Everybody seems to, to want to share and to learn from each other, so they're really helpful when it comes to even to, to, to teaching each other about the scientific projects they're working on and about art. I'm 40 now, and, but when I was young, they, they didn't have as many <laughs> <laughs> opportunities to, for, for art and science to kind of come together. So, It would be wonderful if from now on people could, could really explore that. When I'm not making podcasts, I spend much of my time on art science collaborations of my own. My own fascination with science actually came from a project when I was involved in the BBC Blue Planet live shows in 2006. Seeing art and science combine at Jodrell Bank is just so wonderful. There were thousands of people at the festival. Most, if not all of them, will have seen Daito's projections. Significantly fewer will have controlled them for themselves. And I believe it's in that interaction of controlling the data flow to the projections where the most effective science communication takes place with this project. But as I wandered towards my tent on that final night, there was no doubt in my mind that the very existence of the Blue Dot Festival was a very good thing indeed for communicating physics. Even if people only went to the festival for the music, Daito's projections, this year's rendition of the Cosmos project, will have lit up that Lovell telescope as it dominates the entire site. As Jacques Cousteau said, it's easier to protect what you love. And this festival, the Cosmos project, can only help more people love Jodrell Bank. I'd like to thank everybody who talked to me for this podcast, but mostly I'd like to thank everybody at Physics World who made it possible for me to finally camp underneath the Lovell telescope. And thank you very much for listening. Physics World.